Welcome back. Hello. To Monsters. A true crime podcast. Yes. Are you ready for today? Part two? I am, Steph. Of David Parker Ray. David Parker Ray. Do you remember where we left off? We were going over the transcripts. Yeah. And, and there was a lady in the tape. On a videotape. Yeah. And she hasn't been identified yet. Held captive by David Parker Ray. Yeah. Of course. And we don't know yet. So we're going to be picking up where we left off in the last episode. Beautiful. Are Let's you ready? It. I'm always ready. We're going to have a lot to get through. So we'll begin. Buckle up. Buckle up. So right now, after Cynthia Vigil got caught, or she was, she ran away. She didn't get caught. But that day, Cindy and Ray both were detained and they were charged, charged, sorry, with 12 counts, including kidnapping, aggravated battery and conspiracy and their bail was set to one million dollars so i was talking about the woman that was on the table and she was just strapped there unconscious like you could this video is on the web by the way so you can like see but that video really was there so you can see the tattoo so anybody can identify her but this video what it did it was corroborating uh cynthia's story of like what actually happened to her like the detectives took her seriously. They thought the detectives, like I mentioned bef before, that she was a sex worker. They knew that since she was a sex worker, that probably was gonna diminish her credibility in the case. So they were hoping that by finding this other woman and getting her story that she would be able to help to build a stronger case, mm -hmm. right? Even though they found all this evidence, they found by the way, in his Toyota, he had a Toyota RV, and he had like um, he had like restraints built in there that, like Cynthia said, that they were there. Cynthia, Cynthia, Cynthia said that they were there when they kidnapped her from Albuquerque. Right, he has numerous tools. He has numerous tools, but he also like built like chains into the RV so that when they kidnapped women, they can just put them there. Mm. All the pictures and the videos, like still, the detectives and the prosecutors felt that that really didn't prove anything like they thought that regardless of everything that they found they didn't really have evidence to prove that these women weren't participating willingly you know like mm. even i don't understand like it's weird having chains There's, in your rv they couldn't find and duct tape any, or any blood on these chains no they thought it was kinky they just thought it was a bunch of kink stuff <laughs> so while this case was blowing up and all of this was being reported in the news. Uh, the FBI had this information from this video. They released it, and a third possible victim came up. Do you think it's the lady in the tape? It could be. It wasn't the lady in the tape. It was another lady. So this woman, her name is Angelica Montano, and she was living in Truth and Consequences at the time. She came forward and she said that she had suffered like similar things with David Parker Ray and Cindy Hindi. Let me just ask. What? Was she a park ranger? She was not a park oh my ranger. God. Okay. Or who knows? It doesn't really say, but I'm, it doesn't say she was a park ranger. We still have that theory. The park rangers are kinky. It's just the park ranger. If anyone's a park ranger, they should let us know. Is there a whole mentality behind being a park ranger that, that gets you this? <laughs> Continue, please. But she was not the woman in the tape, obviously. She said that she was actually a friend of theirs or an acquaintance. 
And she said that she went to their house in February 17th, like before this happened. And she was looking for cake mix. So she went to their house and she was asking for the cake mix. And then for whatever reason, like Ray was... She, he came back from the kitchen with a knife and told her that she was going to be kidnapped. And then she was like looking around and then she sees Cindy, Hindi, with a knife. Like ready to go. Jesus. <laughs> oh, not a knife, a gun. I'm sorry. But so she immediately knew that they were serious about yeah. like taking her. So they grabbed her, they bounded her, and they stripped her. They put her onto the table and they put the same metal collar that Cynthia Vigil had. They attached electrodes to her breasts and they jolted her with several electrical shocks and they abused her with various devices that we already talked about in his toy box. So then Ray was forcing her to give him oral sex and the ordeal went on for three days, such as Cynthia had already stated, like it happened to her for three days. And then she claimed that she was then taken to a smaller trailer and then she was strapped to another chair. They ran electrical currents through her body and shocking her repeatedly in her most sensitive areas and then she was begging them to stop. To like, please let her go. But finally, on the fourth day of what was happening to her, she persuaded them to let her go, which is rare. Because he said that he doesn't, like, he's heard everything and right. he won't let you go. But she was saying that she had a small child and, like, this touched Cindy. And, like, Cindy convinced Ray to let her go. So then they took her, like, miles away and they dumped her in the highway. Like, on a desert highway. Like, in the middle of nowhere. Then a cop picked her up, like an off-duty cop picked her up and she was telling him everything that had happened. And he was just like, this is like a crazy story. And he didn't like report it or file it or anything. And like, they never went back to like check them. So this could have been like stopped. If, like Cynthia's case wouldn't have even happened if they would have gone and checked. Why does nobody believe these women? I have no idea. What is going I, on? I just think it sounds so sensational. Like... You were strapped where? And they were doing what? Like, it just sounds crazy. It is crazy. I don't know. But like, you would think they would go and check. Like, what else do you have to do? I don't know. I don't know. So they didn't follow up. <laughs> they didn't follow up. So then, now we're circling back to the video of the girl. One day, her mother-in-law was watching the news. And she sees this video clip. And the zoomed-in picture of the tattoo. Right. And she was like, what? And she's a mother-in-law of this lady, right? So she said that she knew this woman. She called the FBI and she's like, I know this woman. And then she starts telling the story. So she said that this woman had gone missing for three days. And this woman was actually married to her son for like a few days. Then her son and her was like they got into a disagreement right so she left like the house when she came back like three days later she came back and someone had dropped her off it was like a state official <clears throat> they dropped her off and then they assumed she was on drugs so then they asked her to leave and like she got divorced from like the whole ordeal like they didn't believe like what she was saying she was like, I don't remember what happened. Like, I swear, like, I wasn't doing anything bad. They, like, leave. And then she moved to Colorado. Like, they didn't believe her. So the police locate this woman. And they identify her as 
Kelly Garrett. And she was a woman who was being tortured and assaulted, seemingly against her will. And her tattoos, like on her calf, they matched the woman on the video. So when Kelly came forward and she was alleging that it was her in the video, she was saying that she got into an argument with her husband and she left that house to blow off some steam. And she went downtown, Elephant Butte, <laughs> and she went to a couple of bars. She was shooting pool, having a drink. And she was saying that she was talking to like different people and then she said that she was talking to Jesse Ray. She was saying that after they were playing pool and like drinking at the bar, she Jesse Ray offered like to take her back home. And then Jesse Ray w was like, "Oh, I actually like I can take you home, but I need to stop by my dad's house." Of course. And then she's like, "Sure." Like, "Okay, you can stop at your dad's house." No problem. Don't take rights from people that you don't know. Seriously. Although I took a ride from you. I didn't know you. Well, it worked out. <laughs> and you got home safely. I, I did. So she was recanting her experience with Ray and Jesse. And she said that Ray was threatening her with a knife. And she said that while he was doing that, Jesse was restraining her. So she was drugged and stripped and tied onto a bench in a small room. And she, was, she could recall the things that were in the room, like from the toy box that the FBI haven't released yet. So they took her seriously, you know. So then she said that after the ordeal, she was subjected to several types of sexual assault. And then in the days later, the, the Ray, who was a park official, he had like a uniform. He's the one that dropped her off like at home. Can you believe like he had the nerve to take her home? And why? Like, they didn't even know her. So, I don't... This... When he says that, like, he released women, I believe that. And, like, he he also says that he, like, killed women. So, I really don't know, like, why he chose certain women or not. Right. To, like, release. Obviously, her mother-in-law and her husband didn't believe her. And, like, what I said earlier, like, they asked her to leave and she moved out. So, since Garrett was unable to, like, remember exactly what happened to her, she never reported, like, reported the incident. And, like, this happened in 1996, like, years before Cynthia Vigil's abduction. So then, all that she had left was, like, these night terrors and nightmares that she would experience. And then she would be, she really didn't know, like, where they were coming from. So she just, like, shook them off. I can't even imagine, like, having those types of nightmares. So now that the cops and the prosecutors they had Cynthia and Kelly testifying like to these crimes the police were able to like press Hendy to um, like release information and she quickly began to like start telling everything you know so she began telling everything that she knew of the murders and the kidnappings and this led to the police to discover that Ray was being helped by, like, his daughter, by Jesse Ray. Jesse. And also another guy, he was a friend, and his name was Roy Yancy. Yancy? Okay. Y-A-N-C-Y. -Y. Yancy? Yancy. So, hmm. we're gonna talk about Jesse Ray. Okay. On April 26th, Jesse Ray, her name is actually Glenda Jean. Jessie Ray. That was her nickname. She was arrested and charged with kidnapping of women for sexual torture. 
More charges were added now to also to Ray, counting, um, totaling 37 counts. So at Jesse Ray's arraignment, her lawyer, Billy Blackburn, entered a not guilty plea. He stated that she denied everything and any involvement with anything that like her father was doing. He was also saying that Jesse told the police 13 years earlier that her father was abducting women and selling them in Mexico. But no victims were identified, so there was no record of this, like, this report. <laughs> oh my god. I know. If she actually went 13 years earlier to the police that, like, her dad was selling women to Mexico, he was probably the women after, like, he was done using them. Right. That's horrible. Instead of murdering, he sold them? Yeah. But there was no record of this report, so who knows if she was lying. Jesse is highly suspected to have been an accomplice in the 1983 tape, the transcript. Because if you remember in the transcript, he was saying that, like, there was a we and an hour. And, like, you right. have to do, like, it always oral sounded, acts to both of us. It and, always like, sounded this and like that. there was a woman with him. <clears throat> yeah, there was a woman times. with him. So it's ex suspected that it was her because she was gay. So... Because with Cindy, it doesn't seem like... She's as interested. <clears throat> these women were forced to do anything to Cindy. She was just, like, getting off of the adrenaline of, like, kidnapping women and whatever. So. Strange. It's very strange that she was into it. Like, how do you even get your daughter to do that with you? So weird. <laughs> Jessie Ray, she had a girlfriend. Her name was Jill Troya. And she disappeared in 1995. Mm -hmm. after getting into a fight with her and it's highly suspected that like they both had something to do with it but like they never found anything so that case still remains open well it's they're not looking they really aren't looking anymore i doubt there's a single detective like looking into these things no she was also tried on charges of kidnapping and she was only sentenced to two and a half years in prison which is crazy. Wow. And to an additional five years served on probation. So if all of this happened in like <clears throat> 1999 or whatever, like she's well like free. Mm. Like you only get a light sentence apparently if you like kidnapped and help your dad like kidnap girls and kill them and stuff. All the meanwhile this is happening the fbi has been searching the property they've been searching the double wide trailer they've been searching the rv mm. they found bone fragments in the property but they ended up being like animal fragments and like not human and they did find like the duct tape and the restraints that i said on in the rv but they really couldn't find anything to prove anything so by april 1st the fbi had over 100 agents on the job and this fanned out into Arizona and Texas and they were just searching for any potential victims and witnesses. And the, all of the leads that the agents had, it like took them to 10 different states because they don't just think it was happening like in New Mexico. They were using ground penetrating radar and like sniffing dogs for the cadavers and like nothing. They dove into the lake searching for stuff and they really didn't find anything. So they had really just the victim's testimonies to like work with because they couldn't really find like physical evidence, any physical evidence right. other than just like weird kinky stuff. It's I really don't know where he put all of this stuff. 
While all of this was going on, everyone in town was shook because people loved Ray. They were like, he's a great guy. The place that like where he worked, they like let him go on uh, paid leave <laughs> because they didn't think like they were. They just thought guilty. it was crazy. Yeah. And this even still in one of the videos I saw, they still use some of the tools that he made, like for like snake catching and stuff. And they, they still talk about him like he was a great guy and like all this stuff. Like they just don't believe it. Uh, which is crazy, but like Justin, Justin, justice was partly served. <laughs> and they did convict them, but like not how you would want them to be convicted. So what are the, what are the charges? Oh, they are disappointing at the least. So Cindy Hindi. She starts talking and she's tr she's saying everything she can to get a plea deal. So in exchange for all of the stuff that she was saying, she was providing details of Ray's alle uh, alleged murders, which totaled a number of 14 while they were together in the eight months. <laughs> it's crazy. Just the numbers, like, that's why the numbers are so inconsistent. Like, mm. we just really don't know. So according to what she was saying, he she was also saying that Ray killed one of his business partners like in Phoenix because he worked in Phoenix at some point and his name was Billy Bowers. But then he said that like after he killed Billy Bowers, he dumped his body onto the lake and then the body floated up and then he was like, oh, like this is not a really a good method to like dump bodies because they float up. Like, after you're done. So this is when he learned that to dump bodies into the lake, you have to cut them open and, like, take everything out. <laughs> so they, like, sink and they don't come back up. Like, all the gases that get built up. After Billy Bowers, like, it's highly suspected that, like, he learned how to dispose of the bodies. And he dumped them in the deepest parts of the lake. They're never going to be found. He also claimed that... Hindi, she was claiming that a lot of the bodies were in the lake and also in the ravines around South Central New Mexico. But like she couldn't really tell like where they were. You're, you're never gonna find them out. And then Hindi, she was going to testify against Ray and she did. And she pleaded no contest. So due to all of the uh, information that she was providing, she got a really nice reduction in her sentence. She had 25 counts of conspiracy and being an accessory to all of this stuff. And they were reduced to five. <laughs> five years? Just five counts. To five counts. Yeah. Okay. And she received a total of 36 years for her role in the crimes. And do you think she's still in prison? I hope she's dead. No. She got released in Can 2019. I say that? Yeah. She, she, was, got, she was released. She was released in 2019. Okay. His daughter is released. Is free to go. Cindy is free to go. That's like, crazy. These people, like, l didn't get anything, like, really put on them to, like, make, make them pay for what they did. Which is insane, because this is one of the craziest cases out there, and, like, they really didn't have to pay for much of what they did. But now she's an old lady, and I hope she's miserable. You'd have to be. 
Well, maybe she wouldn't be. I hope she's not getting any social security. She doesn't deserve it. <laughs> she doesn't deserve much. No! She doesn't deserve any of our taxes. No. So now we're gonna talk about uh, Dennis Roy Yancey. And he actually had like a big involvement in this story. And it's crazy to him. Like he didn't come up before. But um, Jesse implicated him in like being involved and vice versa. Dennis was saying that Jesse was involved in like race dealings. Um, during uh, Yancey's first interview, he was very casual and he was offering a lot of information. And he was saying that he had actually witnessed some of uh, the things happening in some of uh, race parties where he liked to put on like dog shows and all that crazy shit that we heard in the part one. He also mentioned Ray's daughter as being like a willing participant in a lot of these situations. And he also said that he saw some pictures of Ray's former wives, like in bondage positions and stuff. Photos. Like photos. So I guess some of his wives might have been into the kinky stuff or maybe Ray made them into the kinky stuff, but he had photographs. Physical evidence. Physical evidence. Photographs. But, you know, I, I was trying to find to see if, like, his wives were still alive or yeah. if anything, and I couldn't find anything. Or where the photos are. It's crazy. Well, the photos are with the FBI they and were Albuquerque. Okay. All of this stuff is still with them. Gotcha. Yeah. He said that he also watched Ray torture a girl inside of the toy box. He said he was insisting that this girl had consented. Which is... Maybe. I mean, maybe it within their kinky group. There were some women that like wanted that done to them, which I yeah I can't imagine. Like it's there's like a fine line. It's like an underlying theme is just writing it off as a form of sex. Right. So <laughs> he also said that uh, he knew that Jesse Ray was helping Ray, and that they were both kidnapping women for S and M sex, and then they interviewed him later. And he changed his story. This was like an official interview. He was saying that they were interviewing him actually because they, they, his girlfriend at the time was, she's missing still. He said that he did know Mary Parker. This is uh, Dennis's girlfriend at the time in 1997. And he knows that she was killed. He said in 1997, he had gone with Ray and Jesse to a saloon for what he thought was a drug deal. So they went and then they, they returned back with Mary, his girlfriend. They placed her in handcuffs and they were warning her, if you scream, you're going to be killed. So Yancey, which is Dennis, was told to stay with her in the rear of the vehicle. So can you imagine, like, your boyfriend betraying you that hard? <laughs> I can't even imagine. No. Even Ray's daughter luring people. I'm still thinking about he, how she used to lure people in She for would her. lure people for his dad, for her dad, and yeah. for herself. That's disgusting. It's disgusting. What a trap, though. Imagine being trapped like that. But, like, Yancey, like, what the hell? What is wrong with this town? They're going after, like, their own people. Like, people they know. <laughs> so Yancey was telling, uh... <laughs> They, they told Yancey to stay with her in the rear of the vehicle. 
Then they took Mary to the toy box and Yancy was considered, he could, he was saying he, he was considering calling the police, but he thought that it would be better not to do it because he was afraid of Ray. He didn't, so he didn't call the police to come save his girlfriend. He left her there. He knew that the girl was left there for three days and she was being repeatedly tortured. And then Ray and Jesse came to uh, Dennis and they were telling him, we're done with her. They gave Dennis a rope and they instructed him to strangle her. <laughs> and he did. He strangled her to death. So now he's in on it. He's in on it. He killed his own girlfriend because he was afraid of Ray, who was 100 years old. They all went together and they dumped her body in a remote area. After which Ray threatened Dennis that if he ever told anyone, the same thing was going to happen to him. And he didn't tell anyone until like right now when he attempted to show law enforcement where the body was he was unable to locate like the exact place and they actually think it was because ray didn't trust dennis and he went and moved the body somewhere else so they couldn't find the body in april 10th 1999 he was booked on the suspicion of murder he was also charged with kidnapping evidence of tampering and conspiracy his case ended with two sentences of 15 years each for one count of second-degree murder and one count of conspiracy to commit first-degree murder. And his sentences were to run consecutively. So him also, he's probably already out <laughs> from prison for murdering yeah. his girlfriend. By the way, her body was never found. And actually, in the late 1990s, investigators found a burlap sack with human flesh in the lake, which they believed to be um, Mary. Was that her name? Mary. But they couldn't tie her back to that. I imagine, like, the flesh was probably decomposed and, like, in 1990, DNA wasn't really a thing. So they couldn't... They couldn't right. identify her. Well, it was, of course, it's decomposed if he's cut it, if he's cut yeah. the body up. And it gets really hot over there. And actually, I I still don't know how people like solve the murders or cases without DNA, because like DNA didn't become like like a thing until like 1993 and beyond. David, what happened to him? Uh, in his trial. So he had two trials. His first trial ended in a hung jury. Really? Yes. There, I remember hearing or reading somewhere. Well, the prosecutors like, probably don't have enough evidence. They don't. They really don't. To, they just have witness accounts. They could. They were. They they weren't a hundred percent sure that these women weren't there willingly. Okay. <laughs> there were like two or three jurors that were like. They ruined it. They were like, oh, well, we really don't know if they were there or not. <laughs> In uh, Tierra um, Maria, New Mexico, Tierra Maria, New Mexico, his trial was then relocated to a, a different small town. And he was then, he was tried again. And then this time he was convicted of his crimes against Angie Montano. And then he admitted his crimes against Cynthia Vigil. And also to Kylie. Kelly. <laughs> to Kelly. So as part of his plea deal for a lighter sentence for his daughter, 
because he was a great dad. <laughs> he admit he 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 admitted to Angie and Cynthia and to Kelly's like abductions. He, however, never admitted to any murder. He was like, no, I did not do that. <laughs> he contacted authorities, however, in May of 20, uh, 2002 to let them know that he was willing to talk because part of his plea deal was that he was going to tell them secrets about the case. Like the FBI agents really wanted to know the dumping grounds for these bodies. But even though like he said that he was going to work with them, he kept like resisting working with them but in one of the counts that he was like okay i'm gonna tell you like where 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 were my dumping grounds he died of a heart attack he died of a heart attack eight months after sentencing it's too convenient yep he had already been in prison however like three years there was nothing Fuck this of guy. his 224 years that he was due to actually serve this guy's the worst. He got off easy. Too easy. Hopefully they, they weren't giving did. him his heart medication and like they he was in pain. Too easy. All of them. Like you can get away with everything in New Mexico apparently. Well, nobody's checking in on the murderers. Nobody. <laughs> I know. And the rapists apparently. They're like, I don't know. They like it. Like in the beginning of part one, that one officer was like, oh. He was just used to like weird shit happening in town that they didn't really like even find this surprising. Well, I believe a town with only 1500 people in it in New Mexico is probably weird. So weird. <laughs> I swear to God, if you come with me one day to but, Texas, we can go to like the weirdest town that I know. Is it? It's called Oro Grande, New Mexico. And it's a population of maybe like 40 people. And you have to drive through there to get a, like Albuquerque and stuff. And it's like just a couple of trailer homes and a bar. Like very Hills Have Eyes type of situation. Sounds like a great place Have you to seen go. that movie? Hills yes. Have Eyes? Yes. <laughs> also, no offense to people in New Mexico, but like for real. It's weird over there. <laughs> the only statements that they were able to get from David Parker Ray, he talked to a news station in New Mexico called action seven news <laughs> and uh just some of the things that he was saying <laughs> uh, and i quote i guess you can call it an addiction i like the lifestyle he said i like bondage and discipline and there's a couple million people in the u.s who like the same thing <laughs> according to the statistics that i've read <laughs> and um I was just more flamboyant with it than most people are. Most people keep it in the closet. End quote. Well, that was his defense all along, he, wasn't he it? He kept it in the trailer, actually. And on videotapes. Kept it in the double wide. Well, in the trailer behind his double wide. <laughs> oh, yeah. Excuse me, he had a trailer. He had two trailers. He was living large. Oh, my God. In the 1990s. Full of shackles. Um, so that's where that ends. But there's a couple of uh, interesting things about this. that uh, The FBI, if you look up David Parker Ray, FBI, mm -hmm. um, they have a page full of like hundreds of images of different articles of jewelry and women's clothing that they believe was from all of his victims. 
is up to like 60 in some accounts and they're hoping that someone will recognize one of them and like have more people come forth or maybe people that knew someone that went missing around that time so anyone can look that up and i also read in that in 2002 the toy box was open to the public <laughs> and you can go and tour it where an elephant butte i imagine on display where on display but just to go see their hope was oh that God. like someone would go and like since he, the, he drugged women oh like jot their memory jot, yeah like to see if anybody remembered being there or anything of that sort but i couldn't find if it was still open or if it became a tourist attraction but in 2002 like you could go and like tour the place well like you said he was using a concoction of drugs mm -hmm. to like give women, women amnesia right so i like i said i really don't know like what That's made so him release some and sell some to mexico and kill How the others women got away Probably whoever didn't piss him enough, like the screaming and stuff that we were yeah. talking about and the other one probably got released and the ones that really annoyed him, he killed. Yeah. The ones in the middle, he sold away. Like, who knows? Oh my god. Yeah, so that's what happened to all of these people. That's the end. I can't believe it. It's a crazy story. It's hard to digest that this happened to people and like that people can do this to people. Well, it's a crazy first story that you but led as, me into. Yeah. It's one of my top three. Next week, we'll do my top two. No. I really can't rate them like one, two, three. Like, they're all in the top three, but I can't pick which one's like the worst. Well, either way, the first three episodes will be your three favorites. Yeah. In whatever order. In whatever order. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Oh, and I, since we have a few listeners... <laughs> We, of course, made an Instagram. Of course. every Everything has an Instagram. Everything has an Instagram, so right. you can check us out. We're on Spotify, you know this. Yeah. But Our, we're, we're working on the Apple Music si uh, side. They of haven't it. approved us yet. Apple Podcasts. <laughs> I know. They're lacking. They but take forever. Our Instagram is Monsters True Crime. Yes. You can also send us an email at Monsters <laughs> True Crime Pod at gmail.com suggest a suggest story. whoever you want who right there's tons of people that we don't know that i don't know i learn everything new should like, these stories be longer shorter just let us know on just instagram let us know. all right sounds good see ya